Well, today is the last Sunday of our sermon series, Dare to Draw Near, and I hope you've enjoyed the series over these past few Sundays. I've enjoyed looking at the lectionary readings through this lens about daring to approach God. Um, Now, today what I want to do is I want to wrap up our series by looking at Psalm 51, our psalm that we just heard, and actually just the first 15 verses, because this psalm is all about drawing near to God and about doing it in a very vulnerable and honest way. Uh, Psalm 51 is a really important psalm in the life of the church. It's a really important psalm during the Lenten season. Uh, If you come to church on Ash Wednesday, every year you're going to hear Psalm 51 read. Uh, Also on the fifth Sunday of Lent, Today, uh, the church also puts this psalm in front of us to meditate on it. Uh, And the the church has us do this, uh, look at the psalm twice during this season, uh, because this psalm is all about repentance. Again, it's all about drawing near to God in the midst of our sins and failures, about being honest to God and approaching Him uh, in this way. Uh, And so I want to just look at it uh, and see what uh, the psalm models for us, because uh, that's what the church sees in this psalm. It sees it as an example of what approaching God honestly looks like, approaching God in our guilt. Uh, An important piece of historical knowledge to know as we look at this psalm, uh, traditionally the church has understood Psalm 51 as a psalm of David. Uh, It is thought that David wrote this psalm right after Nathan confronts him, the prophet Nathan, about his affair with uh, Bathsheba and all the things that David does to cover up that affair, which is a lot. So as we read the psalm, you can be thinking of David, David approaching God in the midst of his, his guilt and again seeking reconciliation with God. So let's look at it. Um, You might want to have it in front of you. I won't read through every verse, but I I, I want to highlight some key verses to show you the movement uh, that we find in the psalm. And if you're at home, uh, it's Psalm 51, verses 1 through 15. But this is how David begins. Again, approaching God in the midst of his guilt. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. So again, have mercy on me, God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. So as David approaches God, um, seeking reconciliation, uh, where does he start? Well, he starts with the nature of God. He starts with who God is. And we see three things, three important things about God described in the first verse. We have mercy. He's a merciful God. We have loving kindness, or another way this is sometimes translated as steadfast love. It's a love that is committed. It's a covenantal love. And then we also have great compassion. This is where David starts. David approaches God and is vulnerable with God because he is absolutely sure of God's 
mercy, that he's a compassionate God. And David is not presuming on this mercy, but rather he is, he is clinging to it, appealing to it, depending on God's mercy. I've heard it argued that because the Christian faith believes that God is merciful, that God is our Savior, because of this, we have the most radical understanding of human sinfulness. Because we believe these things about God, we can dare to be honest with Him. Right? If, you don't, if you don't believe or trust in God's mercy and love, you're not going to be open and honest to Him. I mean, that's true in our human relationships. If you don't think the other person cares about you, you're not going to be vulnerable with that person. But that's especially true with God. And so what you see here is David daring uh, to expose himself, expose who he really is to God. Have mercy on me, God, he says. That is, be kind to me. Don't, don't turn away from me. Don't blow me off. Be gracious. And be gracious to me, not because there are uh, extenuating circumstances that can explain the way I am, not because someone made me do this, not because Bathsheba was foolish enough to bathe where I could see her and my hormones rage and I was out of control. That's not what he says. No, he says, be gracious to me because that's who you are. So that, again, is where David starts. He approaches God absolutely sure of God's mercy. So he begins with God, who God is, which then, and this is this, the next movement, the second movement in the psalm, he moves to himself. He thinks about God, and as he reflects on God, he begins to reflect on himself. Uh, we see this over and over again in the scriptures and in the witness of the saints, that when you begin to approach God, you begin to see how much you truly miss the mark. One writer puts it this way. He says, The true sense of our sinfulness does not come from measuring the distance between our own conduct and the moral law we live by. No, it is only in the overwhelming presence of the Holy One Himself that we sinners know how utterly sinful we are. And so as David reflects on God, he begins to see his sin. And that's where we go with verses 2 and 3. He says, Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. David says, I know my transgressions. Uh, this, this knowing, uh, this is a knowing that it doesn't come from being told that you're a sinner. Uh, this knowing doesn't come from repeating confession each week, which we often do just by rote. No, this is a knowing that is born from experience. I just, I just know who I am. I know my transgressions, right? my deliberate defiance of you, and how I am so self-absorbed, so self-serving. I know about it because I've experienced it. In my life. Now, of course, not everybody makes this 
confession. Uh, I have friends, friends who I obviously love, but they will say sometimes that uh, they think at the end of the day, um, people are good, that people are inherently compassionate and generous. And again, I, I, I love these friends, but I don't understand this view. And I think they must live in somewhat a different world than I do. do. You know, misery is, is the shadow of sin. And so as we look in our lives, how do they account for the, the misery that we, we find in the world and in our own little circles of life? How can they account for the fact that you can fret and stew for days over a perceived slight? You know, someone says something to you, uh, and you can think about it for days. But then you see the news, and you see that 20 people are killed by a terrorist bomb, and you don't give that a second thought. I mean, what's, what's going on there? What does that say about our hearts? I can remember for me, uh, I think the earliest recognition of sin in my life, and I wouldn't have used that word, I was too little, uh, but that's what it was, uh, came at the age of four. I was in preschool in Knoxville, at West Hills Baptist Preschool, and I was in class, and the class was lining up to go out for recess. So I, I got into line, uh, and right after I got into line, another boy came behind me. And I don't, I don't remember who this boy was, uh, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure he was not a friend, nor was he an enemy. But as he stepped behind me, I remember, and I remember this so clearly. I don't know why I did this, but I clearly remember it. I took my arm and I bit it as hard as I could. And then I ran up to the teacher and I told her that the boy behind me had bitten me. You know, when you're four, that's a big deal. Biting is, is what gets you in trouble. Um, now, again, I don't know why I did this, but I recognized uh, at that young age this perverse joy in watching this classmate be punished for this. He was, he was punished and then and sent home for the day. I had no remorse, but I recognized that I had done something wrong. And I also recognized that I was capable of hurting another person. And, and I would say life has only confirmed that potential in me. Uh, by the way, if, if you were from Knoxville and were wrongly accused of biting someone at the age of four, I apologize. It was probably me. But you see, this is what David says. He says, I, I know my transgressions, right? I've, I've experienced them. And, and as David says this, as we think about ourselves uh, modeling or following this um, example, as David says this, it's not meant to um, make us negative people or morose people. Uh, it's not meant to make us shameful about ourselves, to say that we know our transgressions. What David is expressing here is guilt. He's not expressing shame. Because you see, guilt and shame are, are two, two different things. Guilt says that I have made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. 
Guilt says, I have, I've done something bad. Shame says, I am bad. These are two different things. And, and as we approach God, seeking forgiveness, repenting, we have to be careful that our guilt doesn't slide into shame. Because honestly, at the end of the day, shame is not your friend. Shame is not seeking to do anything good for you. On the other hand, guilt, guilt is a positive if it's, if it's true guilt. Guilt can be life-giving. Uh, it can give you a proper sense of humility. It can uh, amend your behavior. It can help you seek reconciliation if you've hurt somebody. And the key is, uh, is to remember, just like David did at the beginning, remember your lovability, that God does love you. Because when you forget that, that's when your guilt can become shame. But again, David here is just expressing guilt. Now after this, after David speaks about God, moves to himself, he then thirdly makes his request. This is the next big movement. And, and the request has two parts, and I'll go through these quickly. But the first part of his request is he asks for forgiveness. We see this in verses 8, 9, and 10. Key, key uh, phrases here. He says, purge me from my sin, wash me, blot out all my iniquities. David asks for forgiveness. Um, C.S. Lewis has a great little essay on forgiveness. I want to read a, a short passage um, from this essay. I found it helpful. But it's about how we often make a mistake when we ask for forgiveness. This is what Lewis says. He says, Often when I ask for God's forgiveness, I make a mistake. Often when I ask God to forgive me, I am asking Him to do something quite different. I am asking Him not to forgive me, but to excuse me. But there is all the difference in the world between excusing and forgiveness. Forgiveness says, yes, you have done this thing, but I accept your apology. I will never hold it against you, and everything between us two will be exactly as it was before. But excusing says, I see that you couldn't help it or didn't mean it. You aren't really to blame. Lewis continues, if one was not really to blame, then there is nothing to forgive. In that sense, forgiveness and excusing are almost opposites. If we are not careful about this distinction, we shall go away imagining that we repented and have been forgiven, when all that has really happened is that we have satisfied ourselves with our excuses. David, he doesn't explain away what he's done. He asks for forgiveness. Purge me from my sin, blot out my iniquities. But that's not the only request. There's the second part, and this is, this is important because we need to, to ask God for this as well. David follows this by asking for a new heart and a new spirit. This is verse 11. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, this word create, 
create a new heart. Uh, This is a very daring word. This word comes from Genesis 1, uh, same word that is used about God creating the heavens and the earth. Uh, And you see what David is, is recognizing is that he can't just stop with forgiveness, that it's not enough to be cleaned up, a quick brushing of the hair to look respectable. That's not what is required. There's something more. And what is required is this new creation. Or as Jesus tells us, you must be born again. David needs a new heart. And he needs a new heart so that he can love God and love the ways of God. And if you remember the opening collect for today, we prayed this. Prayed the same thing, that we might love what God commands. We need to ask for that. Create in me a clean heart, new heart, and renew a right spirit within me. And then lastly, the last movement, and this is in verses 14 through 15, David says this, I shall teach your ways to the wicked, and sinners shall return to you. Deliver me from death, O God, and my tongue shall sing of your righteousness. I take this to mean that as we do confess our sin to God, as we approach Him, God does work in our lives. God changes us. God invites us into a new life with Him, the new life in Christ. And when that happens, we can say with Paul that it's no longer I that lives, it's Christ who lives within me. And when we do this, we become a witness, a witness to God's mercy so that those who defy God and defy God's ways might see God's mercy in us being acted out in us in return to Him. Let me, let me finish this sermon by reading to you a, a poem. Uh, this poem is written by George, George Herbert. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, 17th century English priest, beautiful writer, um, And this poem is actually in your bulletin. It's on page 9, if you want to read along with me. A great poem. In fact, Rowan Williams, the previous Archbishop of Canterbury, he he argues this is the best Christian poem in the English language. But I want to read it because I think it captures the essence of Psalm 51. It goes like this. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful. Oh, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, Who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat.